people get to the end of life and they have the clarity of impending death, they realize that maybe, just maybe, they were never imposters to begin with, that they were just human beings doing the best they could with what they had, and that the ability to allow discomfort into our lives is what sets apart those people who get to experience all that life has to offer versus those who don't. It's about your willingness to pull up a chair for discomfort at your table and invite them in like you would any other guest. And sometimes that discomfort is called imposter syndrome. When was the last time you felt like an imposter? What did you see, hear, and feel? If you felt like a huge fraud and that it was only a matter of time before someone discovered that you were faking it all along, you probably believed one or more of the five myths of imposter syndrome that we're going to dive into in today's episode. This is the Purpose Filter Podcast, the show that turns the wisdom of the dying into actionable advice to help you live your best life now before it's too late. I'm your host, Dr. Louis Kathy Zhang, mindset coach, physician who cares for the sick and dying, so I've learned a thing or two about living. On last week's episode, we talked about the five subtypes of imposter syndrome. If you haven't listened, it's episode 62. But this week, we are going myth-busting. We'll be diving deeper into the five myths about imposter syndrome to dispel all the stories and false narratives you've been told or you believe about this phenomenon. And stay tuned until the end because I'll share with you the one and only difference between people who feel like imposters and people who don't. So what are we waiting for? Let's find out. Hello and welcome back to another week here at the Purpose Builder Podcast. So happy to have you here. It is going to be a great part two episode to imposter syndrome. If you remember from last week, if you didn't listen, that's episode number 62. We talked about the five subtypes of imposter syndrome. As a refresher, they were number one, the perfectionist. Number two, the natural genius. Number three, the rugged individualist, aka the lone wolf. Number four, the expert. And number five, the superhero. And like I said in the intro, this episode, we're going to dive even deeper into imposter syndrome and talk about the five myths that have been perpetuated and peddled around about this phenomenon, about this syndrome that we all inherently have believed to be true, even though they are far, far from it. So let's jump right in. Imposter syndrome myth number one. There's something wrong if I feel like an imposter. First of all, there's absolutely nothing wrong with feeling like a fraud or feeling like you're an imposter. Let us normalize the feelings. Let us normalize the experience. If it comes up, it means you're doing something right. Remember, this was originally described as fear and self-doubt and feeling like a fraud in high-achieving women. And so I hope that you see that whether you're a woman, whether you're a high achiever or not, I hope that you see that 
Your life experiences play a huge role in how likely you are to feel like a fraud, especially if you know what it's like to be an outsider, to not belong in some way, to have faced prejudice and discrimination, or maybe you come from a lower socioeconomic status or any circumstance that makes you feel quote-unquote less than or quote-unquote other. If you know Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor, she says, and I quote, I have spent my years since Princeton while at law school and in my various professional jobs not feeling completely a part of the worlds I inhabit. I'm always looking over my shoulder, wondering if I measure up, end quote. I mean, she's a Supreme Court justice. She's a trailblazer. And her entire life, she's wondering if she is good enough to measure up against her peers. And so I also want you to remember this thing that we know as stereotype threat, which essentially means that there is a psychological threat that comes up when someone is in a situation or they're doing something for which a negative stereotype about that one group applies. Like that study where they had Asian females take a math test, and then they basically asked them to either identify as Asian or female, and they did better on the math test if they identified as Asian before taking the test, and they did worse if they identified as female. So these stereotypes in culture and society that we grew up with, they play a part in how we feel and how we react to the world around us. On the flip side, they've actually done that study and replicated it for verbal exams. And females, people who saw themselves as female before taking the verbal exam, performed better on that test than if they self-identified as Asian. So, you know, it is what it is, right? I just want to remind you too, high achieving and highly educated people are more likely to have imposter syndrome. I was crowdsourcing and asking questions on my Facebook about imposter syndrome and someone commented and said, I just want to channel the confidence of a mediocre white man and nothing against white men. Okay. I'm married to one. I love him dearly, but you get the sentiment, right? Another favorite quote that I had was someone is out there living your dream because they weren't smart enough to doubt themselves. How good is that, right? Remember, nothing is wrong. Nothing has gone wrong if you feel like an imposter. Myth numero dos. I am the only one who feels this way. Okay, spoiler alert. Everyone has imposter syndrome, and it never truly, truly goes away. They've done studies and statistics. 70 to 84% of people report feeling like an imposter, which means you are not alone. Actually, in fact, you are an incredible company. I'm going to talk about this a little bit later. Three out of four people, man or woman, feel like an imposter. The problem is we just do not talk about it enough. And it doesn't matter who you are. You could be a high school student or a NASA astronaut, a working parent or an Academy Award winner, a solo entrepreneur or a billionaire, a plumber, a dancer, teacher, a choir director. So many people have imposter phenomenon. And remember this, 
only narcissists and sociopaths have no self-doubts. And if you struggle with imposter syndrome, I'm not going to lie, maybe we should play with some of those narcissistic thoughts every once in a while, right? Like, hmm, maybe I did have something to do with that outcome and it wasn't just all a fluke and it wasn't all just due to luck. Maybe I made it happen, right? And remember from episode 61, We've really only had this terminology, imposter phenomenon, imposter syndrome, for like 40-ish years. And like I said, you are an incredible company. This is a quote from Albert Einstein. He said, The exaggerated esteem in which my life work is held makes me very ill at ease. I feel compelled to think of myself as an involuntary swindler. End quote. Albert freaking Einstein, guys, okay? And I came across this other quote from Barbara Corcoran, who's on Shark Tank. She was a real estate mogul. When she sold her business for $66 million, she said, I felt like a total fraud at presumably what was the peak of her career selling her business for $66 freaking million. The bottom line is everyone feels this way at some point or another, and you are not alone. Myth number three, I'm in way over my head and I should just quit now and stop what I'm doing. Okay, so that is totally, totally untrue. Listen, there is no growth without fear. There is no growth without self-doubt. There's no growth without feeling like you're a fraud on the verge of being exposed. It means that you're trying. It just means that you're doing something, that you're making progress. Tell yourself, remind yourself, I am a work in progress. And look, you will never get these feelings of being a fraud or being an imposter if you're not putting yourself in positions where you're being challenged. You're not going to feel like an imposter sitting on your couch watching Netflix. You're not going to feel like an imposter doing the same thing that you've been doing for the past 20 years because you have mastered that. You could do that with your eyes closed. And that's why we talk so much about values in hospice and palliative care and what I do in my day job and here on this podcast. Because do you care more about growth and seeing what you're made of or what your potential is or what you're capable of? Or do you care more about safety and security? about certainty and comfort. You could say that you care about growth, but if your actions aren't lining up with growth and they're more in line with certainty and comfort, then you're not in alignment, right? My colleagues and I in hospice and palliative care, we could easily not have difficult conversations with patients and their families about death and dying. I could easily withhold information. I wouldn't. But I could withhold information from families that, let's say, their loved one has only weeks to live because it's uncomfortable to talk about. I don't want to deliver this news any more than they want to hear it. But who does that ultimately serve? Does that help anyone? Of course not. But it's a necessary part of the journey. And so is imposter syndrome. And I want to give a shout out to Jenny Ekstrom on my Facebook, she said this quote, and I asked her if I could have permission to share it on here, which I just thought was so beautiful. She said, when imposter syndrome occurs, to expect 
those thoughts to show up when we were on the edge of brilliance and to welcome them like an old friend. And in that moment to ask ourselves, what else could be true? End quote. That, ladies and gentlemen, is poetry. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny, for your beautiful, beautiful words. That is exactly the sentiment that I want us to have whenever we are faced with feelings of being a fraud and being an imposter, literally being like, is this true? And what else could be true? So let's change these associations, okay? The next time you notice these feelings come up, think, okay, I have feelings. I have feelings of being an imposter. Hey, maybe this could eventually be good news. I'm in great company. Sonia Sotomayor, Albert Einstein, Barbara Corcoran, all of these really accomplished people. This is great news. I'm growing. I am learning. I am getting closer to who I really want to be and where I want to take my life. And eventually, the more you work on this, the more you start associating those feelings with positive outcomes. It's like when you're out of breath from a really intense workout or you're doing everything you can to get one more rep in and you're so sore you can barely move the next day, over time you start to realize that those feelings of discomfort during the workout and after the workout are actually what lead to your desired results, whether that's changing your body composition or being able to you know, run further and faster in a race or something like that. Remember, you are not in over your head and you should not stop what you are doing. You are on the right path. Myth number four about imposter syndrome. There's got to be like a huge difference between me and the people who don't have imposter syndrome. Absolutely not. Write this down if you need to. The only difference between imposter syndrome feelers and those who don't feel it are their thoughts. It is their internal dialogue that is literally it. Non-imposters recognize that they cannot do it all, and they are okay with that. They have self-compassion. They recognize their humanness. They realize that perfection is a myth. It is an illusion. We talked about this in episode 62 in those subtypes. Number one, the perfectionist. The difference is that non-imposters don't believe their thoughts that tell them, oh my God, I'm a fraud and everyone's on the verge of discovering my secret. Like, what do I do? No, they just don't believe it. We do. And I came across this great sentence when I was doing research for this episode, which is a defining characteristic of imposter syndrome is the tendency to attribute success to external factors, but to see failures and mistakes in terms of personal inadequacy. That is just so, so spot on. We literally think that we have no control over what's happening, that anything good was not directly related to our effort and our work, but that anything bad is a function of how terrible we are, of how dumb we are, of what a failure we are. How topsy-frickin'-turvy is that? Non-imposters are really good at injecting doubt. They think, but am I really a fraud? Like, no, seriously, did I really have nothing? 
to do with my success and it was all just luck? No, no way. That is how non-imposters think. So I want you to surround yourself with people who are not buying the bullshit that you're selling to yourself and clearly that you're using and believing, okay? Like, I'll give you an example. If you're my client and we're talking about your imposter syndrome, I will not believe you for a single second. What I will say is like, yes, it is human. And yes, of course, you're going to have it because you're trying new things and you're growing and that's wonderful and that's totally normal. But also, I don't accept that crock of lies, okay? It's like this half-nurturing, half-no-nonsense part of me. And I am a thousand percent confident that you are not an imposter. Remember, in any negotiation, the person who is more confident will always influence the other. I already see your greatness, okay? Like zero doubt in your greatness. And part of me thinks that coaching is really just someone else seeing your greatness and helping you just deconstruct all the ways that you've created to stop yourself from seeing it too. It's kind of like a filter, right? Like their filter of you is crystal clear and it's technicolor and it's saturated and your own filter of yours is not. (laughs) For example, my husband doubted his abilities in his job and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like seriously, you could be making four, five, six times what you're making now and working a fraction of the hours, but he couldn't see it. I could. That's the beauty of what happens with coaching relationships or other people supporting us is that we are blinded to our own greatness because we come up with all of these excuses and limiting beliefs of how we're not good enough. And I don't remember this, but my husband said that I once told him that you deserve to be here, now own it. And I'll say this to you as well, and as a reminder to myself, you deserve to be here, now go ahead and own it, all right? The final myth of imposter syndrome is listening to this episode is going to immediately make you stop feeling like an imposter. All right, the jig is up, guys. I saved that one for last because, look, you are not going to stop feeling like an imposter after listening to this episode, okay? If a 20 or 30-minute episode could fix imposter syndrome, 84% of people would not still be dealing with this issue and seeking out courses and blog articles and YouTube videos about how to fix this and how to workshop this. Oh, and by the way, Usually, the more successful you become, the bigger the imposter syndrome gets. Sorry to break it to you. Like, you make it all the way to the top, and each step or promotion, you're like, oh my God, is today the day that they're going to find out? Is today the day? Or, you know, you get to be the CEO and you're like, okay, well, they haven't figured it out all up until this time because I was really good at hiding it. But now, I'm the CEO, like they are really gonna know, okay? Imposter syndrome doesn't really truly go away. It just changes form. But just remember, your relationship to imposter syndrome can change and it will change with time. That's where the work comes in, the mindset, the awareness. You catch your own thoughts, you feel your feelings and you try again. You literally can choose 
your own thoughts. You can choose again. So stop trying to overcome imposter syndrome and start finding ways to coach yourself and to reframe the situation so you can talk yourself down faster. And if you want to speed that process up, you've got to do something drastic. You want to speed that process up? Get some professional help. Invest in someone who knows what they're doing. Follow their free stuff and absorb what they're teaching and putting out there in the world. Put in the work. If you want to speed things up, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Literally, willingly go put yourself in situations that make you a little bit queasy. Or, you know, if you're courageous and brave, like a lot queasy, that'll set fire in your pants like immediately, right? It's kind of the reason why people do wild and crazy things like skydiving, because you could do little bits of scary things each and every day, little tiny ones, or you can just be like, I'm going to jump out of a fucking plane and then see what kind of person you become because you took that big, massive action. I'm not advocating for skydiving for everyone, but it's a metaphor. It relates to other things and other big, courageous leaps in your life if you really want to accelerate that growth, that transformation. And look, at the end of the day, people get to the end of life and they have the clarity of impending death. They realize that all the time they spent wasting on wondering whether they were good enough or smart enough or credible enough to be in the room, they realize that maybe, just maybe, they were never imposters to begin with that they were just human beings doing the best they could with what they had, and that each step forward brought a new set of challenges that triggered emotions like insecurity and self-doubt. They realize that the ability to allow discomfort into our lives is what sets apart those people who get to experience all that life has to offer versus those who don't. It's about your willingness to pull up a chair for discomfort at your table and invite them in like you would any other guest. And sometimes that discomfort is called imposter syndrome. It doesn't mean that anything has gone wrong or that you're the only one who has it or that you've gone too far and you should turn back or that there's some genetic or fundamental difference between you and the non-imposters. And it certainly doesn't mean that after you're done with this episode, you're cured. It simply means that maybe you're more aware of the story you've been telling yourself about your place in the world and how you got here. That maybe it wasn't an accident or luck at all. That maybe you really, truly did have a hand in creating all the good and all the success that has happened in your life. And the more you start to realize how much power you actually have, the more and more unstoppable you become. It has been an absolute pleasure talking imposter syndrome with you over these past two weeks. Thank you. Thank you, as always, for taking the time out of your day to listen. And if you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend, send them a link. It might be exactly what they need to hear. And if you want someone who is 1,000% confident that you are not an imposter and is going to help you shine that light back on yourself, then you know what to do. Book a call on my website, Louie Kathy Zhang. It's in the show notes. 
and let's talk it out. Until then, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. I will see you next week.